Hello, and welcome to Listed, a Forbes podcast about people, money, and power. I'm your co-host, Maggie McGrath. I'm your other co-host, Abe Brown. And today, we are talking about the most powerful women in the world with Moira Forbes. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight. Maggie, this is a special day in the Listed Studio. This will be the first time that we're going to be talking about a very personal project for one of us. Obviously, we spent a lot of time working on a lot of lists here at Forbes, but you were the editor of the Power Women list this year. Yes, with Moira Forbes, who will be our guest today. Um, as the editor of Forbes Women, and she is the publisher of Forbes Women, together we work on curating our list of the world's 100 most powerful women. You guys we, are a two-headed dream team. Yes, we are. And I feel like I should give some love to the whole team because it wasn't just the two of us. Uh, Nicolette Jones, Erica Burrow, and Brianne Garrett provided immeasurable support and would not have been able to do it without them. So it was really a team effort, like most projects here at Forbes are. Um, and this is our 16th year we've done the list and we'll get into all the nuts and bolts. And I feel like I have all the facts and figures at the top of my head. Your so. head I can, uh, things are spilling out. Are you things, okay over there? Things, well, I feel like, you know, after you work on something for so many months, it just like all the factoids seep in and are just. Quick, who is number 43? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. The queen is 40. Ivanka's 42. I, I don't know who 43 is. <laughs> well, we'll get to that and so much more in this episode. Before we wade into it, I have a question for you. As always, Maggie, we're going to be talking about the most powerful women in the world. I would like to know what ideal superpower would you have? I would like to apparate places. Traffic in New York is awful. And so I would love to just close my eyes and magically appear at Terminal 4 at JFK. You have such a phobia of getting around New York. I don't under, I, I don't get it, especially having just been to Toronto pretty recently. And that is a fresher hell than you could possibly imagine. New York is just fine. I think it's cute that you're saying I have a phobia of getting around New York when you live in Hoboken and aren't even an NYC resident. But it's funny. Somehow I still trek into the big city. Uh, you know oh, what? The big city. Just, you know what? Aww, so cute. Uh, I only have one piece of advice for you. Don't end up in Diagon Alley. I don't think you'd make it there. Probably not because I'm, 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 I'm a muggle, really. Um, Abe, what's your superpower? So to come up with this, I had to go back to my X-Men days, uh, watch that animated series incessantly. And I have to say, I'm going to go with my boy Morph. He didn't get enough love in the animated series. But he had the ability to take any shape, any any human form, and I feel like he was a misunderstood but crucial figure. So when you say any shape, you could be like the lamp in a CEO. No, it, um, um, fair question, probing question, as much as I would expect from you, Maggie. No, he took other uh, the shape of other people. He could turn in other people. All right, I think before we go too deep into sci-fi land, we should come back to Power Women and introduce our guest. Well, she's definitely someone who knows that with great power comes great responsibility. It's Moira Forbes. Moira, thank you so much for joining us in the studio. Oh, it's great to be here with you guys. So I feel like I'm going to ask some questions to which I already know the answers, but you've been working in the women's space for quite some time. So can you take us back to when did you first start reporting on power women and women in the workplace and female founders? We began the Power Women's List in 2004, and it was really an opportunity for us 
to take a snapshot at that moment in time around the trends and dynamics of women in business. And it, it was a really interesting moment because the list was dominated by women who were firsts. Very few CEOs were on the list at scale, at least at scale of multinational global corporations, very few heads of state. And it really was a chance for us to, to really have a progress check around uh, the dynamics of women in power and, and business and beyond. And that was a cornerstone for us that had represented a, already a long track record of our reporting around women in business. I think what's always really fun um, for us to do is to look back to the first issue of Forbes in 1917, uh, which was started by my great-grandfather on the very first uh, cover of Forbes. He had a department dedicated to women in business. And what was extraordinary about this was uh, 1917 was uh, before women had the right to vote in this country, um, but he saw that the First World War had really created an opportunity for women to take a more prominent role within the business landscape. And then personally, it's been a part of your family. I guess you kind of grew up with it with an interest in in the subject. I did. Um, so I'm the fourth generation Forbes in this business. I'm the first and still the only woman in my family to have worked at the company. And I think for me, Part of this was really a personal evolution. Um, as I was navigating my own career in business and, and looking up, I didn't necessarily see role models or figures or coverage of the people that I connected to in such a personal way. When I looked up to people in my family, um, my grandfather and my father, both very, very different than each other, very different than me, um, I was trying to figure out how to chart my own course and really find those uh, openings and opportunities uh, within our editorial landscape and with our audience to uh, connect and go deeper on issues that were important to me and I know were important to the broader business community. And there was still a huge disconnect in terms of the level of conversation and coverage with the demand and the hunger for the types of content that we really invested in in a meaningful way. All right. Well, let's talk about creating this year's Power Women list. Moira, Maggie, how did you do this? Tell me about the discussions, the methodology. How did this thing come together? So I want to reveal one of my favorite secrets. One of my favorite things I learned in this process is Moira is an Excel whiz. Oh, thank you, Maggie. Ooh, a, no, like I am awful at it. And I remember the meeting where her eyes lit up and she said that like she and Nicolette were going to handle the Excel sheet and it was this weight lifted because I am really bad at it. And they cleaned it up and connected all the cells. And it's really like your hidden talent. Well, Moira. I wouldn't say it's, it's it's a talent. It's just I love um, I love making sense of data. Um, and I love when you have a lot of stuff that means nothing and it can come together um, and you can really do sort of extraordinary things or see amazing trends or just, you know, efficiencies and insights. Broadly, what we do is we look at money, we look at influence, we look at media mentions. So for, and then we group people in their own category. So they're competing against like-minded people. So for the leaders of countries or political institutions like the IMF, we look at what's the assets under management, the GDP, how many people does this institution or country affect or live in this country? And then we rank the women who run those institutions and countries against each other. We then do the same thing within business, finance, and tech. So for the business leaders, we look at what's the market cap, what's the revenue, how many employees do you oversee? We still look at media mentions, but then we rank them against their like-minded leaders in their sector. And we do that across politics and policy, business, finance, tech, and entertainment, which is how we're able to look at people like Beyonce and Taylor Swift. And then we have a lot of discussion about 
does the methodology make sense? Because power is subjective. So to a certain extent, you can apply all the numbers in the world to it. But Greta Thunberg is someone really interesting this year on the list. She's not a world leader. She didn't found a company, but she's she, sixteen. She's sixteen, and she's like an underachiever. Like when you <laughs> when you sort of you, you make a power woman's list at age sixteen. Um, but I think it's a great example of also an evolution that's sort of come to life through the years with the list is. Traditionally, and I think even when we started the list, we looked more at hard power, so currencies, constituents, more traditional power. And I think, you know, whether it be in the women's space and beyond, we also now have to really look at influence and impact. So how are you driving a global conversation? How are you leveraging the platforms that you have to transform an industry or be a positive force? And that's really been a big evolution for us, and it's really open the conversation to look at power more expansively and to really recognize that today to have power, you don't necessarily need to be a head of state or in a corner office. You can have extraordinary impact at age 16. Um, And with Greta, as Maggie mentioned, what was really remarkable is when we looked at um, media mentions, so that really is a reflection of how much are you in the news, but also driving the news. She came in uh, number three in terms of media mentions of all the power women we looked at behind, only behind Angela Merkel and Pelosi. So that was a great metric um, to really underpin um, something that all of us saw and felt, um, whether you agree with her or not. That's power. Bigger than Beyonce. Bigger than Beyonce, yep. Yeah. Didn't know that was possible. By far, by far. Her her social reach isn't bigger than Beyonce's, but um, I mean, that's also the extraordinary thing when you look at the women in entertainment. I think collectively, they had close to 800 million followers across their platforms. Um, And that is power. And they've translated that power, like Rihanna, who's new to the list this year, into hard dollars. I mean, Rihanna is someone at age 31 who obviously had an extraordinary career in music, um, but cut to 2019. And in just two years, alongside with LVMH, Fenty Beauty is one of the fastest growing beauty brands in the world. It brought in, I think, $600 million last year and pegging her net worth this year at $600 million. And that's that combination of hard and soft power. Maura, you've mentioned a few names at the top of this list of 100 people can you give us a very quick rundown of the top 10? Ooh, top, you want, you want me to go from 10? Do I need a drum roll here? Oh, give us, yeah. There you go. Exactly. There you, you go. You, you, little... seem, you seem like you've been doing media since you were born. I, I, don't, I don't know why you would say that. Um, <laughs> so coming in this this year at the number 10 spot is Marilyn Houston, the CEO of Lockheed Martin. Uh, number nine this year is Ginny Rometty, uh, CEO of IBM. Uh, followed by that is Anna Boten, who's the chair of Banco Santander. Abigail Johnson, chairman and CEO of Fidelity Investments. Number six is our good friend, Melinda Gates, the co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Coming in at number five this year is Mary Barra, the head of GM. Uh, Number four this year and new to the list and new to the top 10 is Ursula von der Leyen. She's the president of the European Commission, uh, making a return to the list this year. And her first time um, in the top 10 is Nancy Pelosi at number three, a speaker of the House. Number two this year is Christine Lagarde, who's the head of the European Central Bank. Bank, but also, I love to say, a mainstay on our list, someone who's been on our list since 2004 in four different positions um, and really, really unique, unique power woman. Um, And number one, not a surprise to many, is Angela Merkel, the chancellor of Germany. She has been on our list, I think, for 15 years, um, 14 in the top spot. 
So to put this list together, we look at women across business, technology, finance, politics, policy, entertainment. So let's go through some of the standouts. Sure. I think one one um, interesting sort of pack that has emerged, and that is the the women who are rewriting the cultural narrative in Hollywood. So we have new to this list, um, Jennifer Salk, the head of Amazon Studios. We have Dana Walden of Disney. We also have people like Reese Witherspoon, whose job title um, sort of is is defined by its hyphenates. She's an actress, producer, entrepreneur. She's someone who didn't find um, roles that were meaningful um, in the ways that they spotlighted and uh, women and the stories that needed to be told. So she started her own production company, her own media company. You saw, you have Ava DuVernay, who's also new to this list, an extraordinary director, but who, someone who's ensuring that underrepresented or overlooked communities uh, are at the forefront of storytelling today. And with that have come huge budgets to really fuel her vision. And to really shape culture. I think that's one of the most potent powers that you could really have right now. And it speaks again to this new form of influence. I think the ability to shape culture, and especially on on the world stage, which a lot of these women um, have the opportunity to do so, it can change how communities are represented. It can change perception. And I don't think we, you can never underestimate the power of culture, uh, the power of transforming culture and its repercussions um, in ways uh, that are both soft and very hard. In politics and policy, we have close to a dozen women this year. New to the list are people like the Prime Minister of Belgium, Prime Minister of Denmark. We also have the new head of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, um, Kristalana Georgieva, returning to the list this year. We also have some really powerful forces in the business category. Julie Sweet is the CEO of Accenture. But we also have some really amazing newcomers in finance. Jane Frazier was named the president of City and the CEO of its global consumer business. Marion Lake moved to a new position of consumer lending. Also someone who I really love this year in the finance category is a woman from China, Jessica Tang, the co-CEO of Ping, Ping Ang, which is a financial service company, mostly insurance, but over $164 billion in revenue, one of the top market cap companies in the world. So we have a lot of great um, women who are wielding influence across very different sectors, very different economies, very different scales, um, but all are connected by their desire to have impact in positive ways. Power inevitably fades over time. Who has fallen off the list? There's, there's always drop-offs every year, whether it's women who are out of power, no longer in their positions, or women who whose power um, and influence has waned on the global stage. So, for example, drop-off this year was Theresa May, um, Prime Minister <laughs> of the UK, right? Um, R.I.P. Theresa May. Yep, yep. Um, she's still alive. She's, but in, in, she is but su- not, in some form, yes, yeah, still alive. <laughs> you have to really look at this list as a snapshot in time. Yes. And I think what's extraordinary is that it's getting faster and faster in terms of the movement. Um, and the way that power can accelerate in terms of how you gain it and how you lose it. Um, but she's an example of, of someone who left the world stage or someone like Geisha Williams, who was head of PG&E, um, huge energy company, um, sort of had a had a, a fallout of power over the wildfires last year in California and um, the company's handling of it. Maggie, you spent some time looking at the women who could be on this list in the future, the ones to watch. Who caught your eye? Who we're going to be discussing? 
three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Kamisa Kamara is really interesting to me. She's 36, born in 1983, so not quite a 30 under 30, but almost. She is Mali's Minister of Digital Economy and Planning, and she used to be the country's Minister of Foreign Affairs. So a really young political force in this African country. So I'll be watching her. Um, We'll also be watching women who have made the list in years past, but don't occupy positions of hard power. Like we debated Michelle Obama. And I think we got some commentary from people on Twitter and in email about why isn't she on the list. So even with her recent book, which was a bestseller, you still didn't think she was powerful enough for the list? Well, I think you could. She's someone who had been on the list as first lady um, during her husband's presidency. And she was people always would ask why you have first ladies. And it's it's not always about how you get your power. It's how you use it. And ah, as, well said. as first lady, she was someone who obviously championed very, very important causes in this country, such as health and nutrition. Um, she worked um, very, very closely with the private sector around those initi- initiatives, like with Internui, the former head of PepsiCo. So when she um, left um, the the White House, her book obviously was an incredible force. Um, you know, broke broke records in terms of of sales and the like. But it didn't didn't necessarily mean book sales doesn't necessarily translate to hard power. And I think the bigger question is, <laughs> as many um, people in media know, uh, sadly. Um, but I think the question is, is what she's going to do with that influence moving forward? Yep. And someone may have the opportunity. Someone may have a power pl- platform, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily necessarily activating on it or tapping into it um, in a meaningful way at a moment in time. I think she's someone who's, whose career, um, if anything, could just be beginning. Um, but it really is a question of now, how does she reinvent herself and rewrite her next chapter on a global stage? And I, and I think she will. Um, but we have to be mindful of power at this moment in time and the hard and soft ways in which people are using it. Two other women I want to highlight. Jennifer Pipsack, she's the new CFO of J.P. Morgan Chase. She's Her name has come up in conversation as a potential successor to Jamie Dimon. I don't know that that will happen this year necessarily, but I'm curious to see what she does with the CFO role to see whether or not she takes on a higher profile role within the bank and within, you know, Wall Street. For those who don't follow Wall Street on a day-to-day basis, Jamie Dimon is a man, and he has run J.P. Morgan Chase since December 31st, 2005. There has been no woman at the helm of any big Wall Street bank in history, so someone like Pipsack taking the reins would be historic. That is interesting. The CFO role is t- traditionally a abacus counter who does not get to rise up the ranks. So we'll see if it's something different here. I, th- I think what's what's amazing to see is that, um, you know, around the world, you have more women at the helm of large financial institutions. What's encouraging is while we have yet to see a woman at the helm of one of the major U.S. banks, there are more than people would ever recognize um, or appreciate, I think, it, who are waiting in the wings, right? Who are literally sort of one step away from the highest position. You have two women who are at the helm of the world's largest stock exchanges. You have this huge depth of talent um, and huge economic punch um, within the finance category. So I do think there is a lot of fluidity, and I, I, I think we'll see more women rise, but also break that um, you know Wall Street glass glass ceiling, if you will, in the U.S. banking sector. Yes, yeah, the one gilded with gold at the same time. It's happening. I'm I'm optimistic. Um, Moira, you've been working on this list for a number of years, and you wrote a piece for this year's launch, kind of looking at a decade in review. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you've seen this list change over the past decade and what the the list over the years, what story it tells? 
The one interesting thing that I would say has surprised me um, since doing this list is the political category. Um, if you look at the dawn of this this current decade, so if you look at the 2010 list, I think there was a lot of promise and potential as to women's political path moving forward. We had Merkel at the top of the list. We had three women at the helm of Latin American, South American economies, Brazil, Costa Rica, Argentina. We also had someone just leaving um, um, a power position in, in, in Brazil. So there was a lot of promise cut to 2019, and Merkel remains the only woman at the helm of a G20 economy. The power, political power over the past decade has been uneven. We've seen some bright spots, but we tend to see women really dominating in small economies. This year, the new PM of Belgium is a woman. Um, the new head of Denmark is a woman. So those are still power positions, but they don't command the world stage. And the promise, I think, that has been unmet or not realized, um, at least at the highest positions. But I do think at least we are seeing a groundswell of political momentum. We saw that here in the, in the U.S. with the last elections. And I also think, as I said earlier, the fact that that four of the top five women in the list are in the political arena, even if only as one is head of state, national regional power is global power, and it's huge. All right, Mario, we're going to move over to the latter half of the episode. We're going to do some segments with you. Let's do the Robinson Crusoe Award. Moira, if you had to be stranded on a desert island with one of these power women, who would it be? Hmm, that is a good question. You know, I'm going to say someone who seems pretty obvious, but, but for a different reason. And I, I will say Oprah Winfrey, because if there's one woman on this list that people will go and search for, and there will be like, <laughs> there will be everyone <laughs> looking, it is it is Oprah Winfrey. So if I want to get rescued from that desert island, I'm going to like, you know, put my money in Oprah. That being said, I have a two and a four-year-old. So the thought of being on a desert island, like to me right now, is just the most amazing idea. Like, Can't we just send the Highlander oh, to come rescue you? I, I don't want to be rescued. I was, I was like, don't, don't find I, I, me. I think, I think Moira needs a vacation. I want like some sleep, some coconuts, some swimming, you know. <laughs> I'll try like spearing fish for dinner. I, I just, I could, I could, I could use a little bit of a, a, a break from um, my little tornadoes. <laughs> I love them. I love them. But they, um, they, they, they you tell, can tell us more, Moira. You, you tell have, us more. I'm like, do you have a couch? Can I lie down? Um, you can tell. You can tell. It's been a long. Now I know sprint. why you were so willing to come into the pod studio with us today. Any break? It's it's also padded walls. The <laughs> studio has padded walls, and I feel like you feel um, safe for a change. I feel safe. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It just it definitely, um, you know, it's just burning on, living on fumes right now. But I love them. I do love them. Um, I always say, thank goodness you're cute. Um, because you're so a I'll terror. Keep you. All right, speaking of terrors, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about this. I'm going to go unconventional. I'm going to pick uh, Jennifer Salke. She's the head of Amazon Studios. She's number 48 on the 2019 Power Women list. She has the creative vision for Amazon. So I feel like Okay, maybe without TV screens and ways to watch everything that she's working on on a deserted island, it might be less fun. But I feel like she's full of so many ideas and knows what's coming. And we could talk stories and we could talk cultural change and we could she could give me all the dirt about Amazon Studios and Jeff Bezos. I don't know. I feel like we'd have some fascinating conversations. And she's, you know, because of the Bezos connection, I feel like we stand a good chance of also getting rescued. You also just made me realize, I kid you not, like I this just sparked about I. I dreamt last night that I was sitting next to Jeff Bezos at dinner. 
I was so uh, sorry. I had like <laughs> Did that happened before. No, 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 no. Sadly not. Um, but uh, but I think you're right. Like the the Oprah, someone will find. Actually, they may not. He's a controversial like Oprah. Like people love love or hate him. Um, but they will come looking for they, him. They will come looking. Abe, who do you want to be stranded with? I'm going to go for a super basic answer. I'm going to go with Taylor Swift. She's been um, a prime member of my Spotify radio station plays recently. Really? And also, if there is no other anthem that you need for a desert island, it is shake, shake, shake it off. Oh, no, no singing, no singing, <laughs> like, no singing. That, you, you, you just have to like my buy. My ears are bleeding right now. <laughs> you just have no, to buy, I, I make it, fun you, of them all the time. You, you have to buy into a vibe of like everything's going to be okay on when you were stranded on a desert island. And also, it's Taylor Swift. Anyway. Let's go into the Wayback Machine, because where we're going, we don't need roads. Moira, on my computer screen, I Uh-oh. have a—you might know the answer to this, but— Uh-oh. Um, i nervous ha- here. I know. I have a PDF of the September 7th, two, 2009 cover. It was the Power Women issue in 2009. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me which woman is on the cover? 2009. Do I get to phone a friend? Actually, can, there's like no friend I would have. Um, can, you, can you phone Angela? Angela. 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 The Mercs. Oh, wow. Um, can I, I wish phone? our listeners could see the Angela-like oh, death stares that would have shot at me from across the studio. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, they were strong. Um, she is the world's most powerful woman. Um, okay. Ew. Oh, gosh. I'm going to go Animal Kehi. Abe, do you have a guess? No, I'm sorry. I'm going to fail this round. It is Yahoo's Carol Bartz. Ah, Carol Bartz. Yep. Former CEO and head of Yahoo. She, yep. I don't think she was number one on the list that year, but she... I'm sorry. She was number 12. Yahoo? What's a Yahoo? I know. I, she talk was about number, change. She was number 12 on that year's list. Your memory is, is scary. The cover line is, can she outsmart Microsoft and Google? And the answer we, is no. We already got yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Maura. Thank you, Abe. Thanks, Maggie. It was fun. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Two thumbs up. I got to say, I, I always like working with Moira and talking to her and debating with her. But one of the most interesting things today was seeing how she thinks about a deserted island. She's not just thinking about the vacation. She's thinking strategically about how to get off that island when her vacation is over. And I just I really appreciated that whole strategy that's happening over there. She seems very smart. And unfortunately, Maggie, I cannot let you off of this deserted island that we've got together right now. <sighs> because if we have one last thing to do. It's the last but not least trailed off at the end. Yeah, I know. It's a little different every time. This is a moment in which we can give some love to the other leasts out there on the internet. I did not prepare another list because this entire episode was about my list. So (laughs) I'm I'm listed out. So Abe, what do you got for me today? All right. I think we can both agree that for a lot of history, we haven't given women the credit they deserve for what they've done. This is true. Women in general and especially women inventors. A list from USA Today about the 50 inventions you didn't know were created by women goes a long way to fixing that. I'm going to give you five of my favorites. We're going to work back through history. Are you ready? I am. All right. To start, Evelyn Berezin created the first word processing software in 1971. Use that every day. We certainly do. A few years prior, a researcher at DuPont, Stephanie Kowalik, invented a super strong fiber that she later spun into what today we know as Kevlar. I prefer Lycra from DuPont, but Kevlar is pretty important. It saves lives. Much earlier in history, 1908 was a banner year, the moment when Miletta Bentz came up with the modern-day coffee filter. 
very, very important in my life. <laughs> so is. And Mary A. Delaney developed the retractable dog leash. I prefer just a regular leash. You know, for a big golden retriever, you need the choker collar and just like a normal leash. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and almost a full century before either those two women were creating those fine inventions, Tabitha Babbitt was someone who truly knew all about cutting-edge technology. She produced the first circular saw. Talk about something I never think about, use. Circular saws. Circu- why, why would I use a circular saw? When you have a house, you'll think more about it when you do some home improvement and you when you have your golden. Lifelong New Yorker, <laughs> that's my goal. Um, I think I'm just going to give some love to Melita. Of all the inventions mentioned, I think my life depends on coffee filters. So, Melita, we're raising our coffee cups to you. Slancha. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Listed. And a special thanks again to Moira Forbes for taking some time away from the corridors of power to speak with us. And speaking of which, we want to be even more powerful. So please rate and review us wherever you're listening to us. And thank you to those of you who already have. We so appreciate your support. I'm Maggie McGrath, the editor of Forbes Women. I'm your co-host, Dave Brown, senior editor of Forbes, and also known as the Terrible Transformo. Listed is a spoke media production. Here in Meadows is seated next to me, and he records with me here in the studio. And Reva, Reva's our producer, and we couldn't do this without her. Our theme song is composed and performed by Will Short. Our production team is Caroline Hamilton, Jean-Yel Kastner, and Keith Reynolds at Spoke Media. Because I'm drunk with power, I would like to use this episode to offer a special shout out to some of our very own power women here at Forbes, many of whom I consulted when working on this list. Caroline Howard, Louisa Kroll, Carrie Dolan, Lara Mondaro, Jessica Bohr, and Janet Novak. And of course, we do still want to thank Travis Collins, Kyle Kramer, Randall Lane, and Dario Florotan. Bye! See you next week. Say it, say it, say it with me, Maggie. Bye! The funny thing is I wrote it in the first script as a joke cuz I Oh and, you, and I did it anyway. You did it anyway. Well, you know I'm I'm you know you can't write something in the script without me saying it. I well I know that now, but we are <laughs> so far down the rabbit hole with your bye.